Um, and there's going to be a picture coming up that shows you a little bit of my life back home. I come from a lovely green Sussex village. And hopefully, Toby's got the internet. Uh, what you're going to see is uh, a picture of my sister, used with her permission, of um, a lovely little baby lamb that was born to uh, some friends of ours from our home church. Uh, and the reason I'm showing you this picture of a, a two-day-old lamb and a sheep, sorry, sorry, a two-day-old lamb and my sister, uh, <laughs> is, uh, is because this evening we're going to be thinking about one of the things that Jesus says about himself, which is that he is the good shepherd and that he has come to lead his sheep. So I'm going to invite Verity up. Uh, she's going to come and read a little bit from the Bible. If you've got a phone with you, I'd encourage you to Google John chapter 10. Um, or if you've got a Bible, uh, get that out and flick to it. But yeah, if you Google John 10, um, it should come up pretty quickly. Give you a moment to find it if you want to look it up. I think it should come up on the screen as well. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and they will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand does not, is not the shepherd. He who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Lovely, thank you very much, Verity. Um, so we, we gave some God stories earlier, didn't we? Uh, one of my favourite God stories that came from, from life back home in the country was uh, a farmer who came to our church and he was investigating the Christian faith. He was, uh, it was the time of year when uh, the female cows are starting to get pregnant. Uh, and someone asked him, how can we be praying for you? Uh, and he said, well, you know, these days all the sheep get pregnant kind of artificially and it's quite difficult, it's quite expensive, it has a huge impact on our business as to whether our cows have little baby cows. Anyway, he goes away, he comes back a couple of weeks later and, and uh, someone at our church asks him how, how it all went. And he said, well, we've had double the number of pregnancies as last year and we're one of the highest success rates in the country. So um, there you go, God cares for the cows. Uh, <laughs> um, but we're not talking about cows this evening, we're talking about sheep. And what, we're, what we do here at ENC as a church is we like to read God's words. We believe that God speaks to us through his words. And um, hopefully there will be something maybe that pops out to you this evening that challenges you. Maybe, maybe an image that kind of captivates you or, or makes you ask questions. And I really encourage you to, to hold those questions, to ask them to the people that brought you or, or to someone sat next to you. Come to the pub with us and discuss it. Um, you know, university has been such a great opportunity to ask questions, to discover, to learn, to explore. And so I really encourage you to, to do some of that this evening. But we're going to start, uh, not with my sister or Alain, but we, we're going to start with the passage and we're going to start with where it comes from, which is the Bible. The, the Bible is a book of two sections. You have the Old Testament, which is the story of the Jewish people, and then you have uh, the New Testament, which is the life of Jesus and the story of the early church. 
And what we see is this story of God and his people where God says to Israel, I am your shepherd. I'll look after you, I'll lead you, I'll provide for you. Uh, and Israel go, go for several hundreds of years like this and eventually they kind of get tired and they, they look at the nations around them and they say, these people have kings. You know, they have a leader that they can see, that they can audibly hear, a leader that walks amongst them and they say, actually, good shepherd, we'd love a king of our own. We want an earthly king that we can touch and see and hear. And God gives them an earthly king and it, it sometimes goes bad and it sometimes goes wrong. And, and all through, God's message is, I will come again to be your good shepherd once and for all. You, you've seen me be your leader. You've had a human leader. I'm going to come back and guide you home and be your, uh, your good shepherd. Um, one of the places we see this in the Old Testament is uh, from a prophet called Ezekiel. So I wonder if you've got your phones again, why not um, Google Ezekiel 34? It's a weird word, E-Z-E, -E, it begins. Um, and here we see one of the prophets, this is someone who listens to God and, and tells God's people what he's hearing, speak about the, the shepherds that are currently leading their people. If you look at verse 2, it's marked with a little 2 in text probably. He talks about the sheep being, sorry, the shepherds being selfish. The shepherds put themselves first before the needs of the people. In verse 4, Ezekiel says that the shepherds have ruled harshly. They haven't cared for the sick. They haven't looked after the poor. They've not been... They've not been a good, loving shepherd. And the passage that uh, Verity read to us from John 10 is the kind of reversal of that. It, it's the good shepherd who does what a shepherd should do, a shepherd who looks after, a shepherd who gives. This isn't a, a kind of derogatory analogy. Um, one of the things the Bible does, like so many pieces of literature, is it uses images like this, uses analogies to teach us. And one of the really powerful things about this story with the shepherd and the sheep is that it is cross-cultural and it is cross-time. You know, every culture has sheep that are led. It is something that outlasts us. And I think there's uh, loads we can learn from it. This isn't uh, an image that's meant to depress us. It's an image that's meant to uplift us and show us, just as we saw in the passage, that Jesus has come to bring life and life to the full. And when we speak of a good shepherd, we don't just mean good in the sense uh, like a good car that, that is reliable and goes on. We don't mean good like a good piece of food that's yummy. We don't really even mean like uh, kind of a moral good, although of course Jesus is that. What we mean is uh, an, uh, a Jesus who is worth following, a shepherd that is attractive. And so that's my question to you this evening. Why is Jesus attractive? Why is he worth following? Why is this good shepherd better than any other shepherd we can find? It, it's uh, stuff that's changed my life. It's changed loads of the lives in this room. I'm convinced that Jesus is the good shepherd that's worth following because he, he protects and he gives. And that's where we're going to start this evening. What is so attractive about Jesus? What marks him out? Well, if you look back at your passage, the first thing you see is that he is a God who gives why is Jesus attractive? Well, he's different. He gives to us. You know, you, you would expect any ruler 
to ask us to serve him. Any king says, you're my people, you're going to do what I say. Jesus is the opposite. He's the God who comes to serve. He's the God who comes to give. There's a talk of the wolf in the passage, isn't there? The wolf that comes to hurt. And I guess we can translate that so easily into our lives as as loads of different things, things of the world that, that push us down, whether that's situations or emotions, whether it's people or finances or exams. And the bad shepherds that we read about, the bad shepherds of the Old Testament, they kind of promise this false freedom, don't they? You know, you you, uh, see so many people today, if you buy my book, I can make you happy. If you follow my diet plan, you'll be joyous and jumping around. Uh, And sometimes they work and that's brilliant, but, but so often they just don't scratch the itch, do they? They don't solve the problem. Um, and sometimes they kind of even make it worse. They say, hey, if you want to be happy, you just, you just need to think happy thoughts. I don't know about you, but it very, very rarely works when I'm sad. If I try and think of happy things, it makes me happier. Uh, and we don't, sadly, we don't need to look too far to see the same now, do we? B- business leaders that put profits above everything else. Or, or politicians that cling to power far longer than they should. Countries that are set up to reward the rich, that, that see the elderly as a burden that see the sick as a nuisance. These are all symptoms of being led by shepherds that don't put their sheep, that don't put their sheep first. Uh, and even more beyond that, and I see this loads in my own life, we look to non-human shepherds to make us happy. I, um, I play lots of cricket back home, and if my happiness is defined by how well I was playing, I'd be very upset a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> Or during exams, I'm a big, like, you know, chocolate and crisps get me through exams. Um, you know, th- these things are brilliant. Things like friendships are brilliant. They bring so much joy and life to us. But they can also hurt us so much sometimes. Uh, and that is what Jesus has come to address. He's come to bring life and life to the fullest. I don't really, and I apologise for kind of starting on a gloomy note of why do we need to, to think about the shepherd, but I think it's a really important starting place. Because if, if we go, well, actually, you know, life's pretty good, whatever, then we don't see a need for a shepherd. And maybe that's you, maybe you're going, well, you know what, exams are fine, I think I did well, the sun's shining, I've been at the beach, life's good, and that's brilliant, that's absolutely great. But sadly, there's a wolf we're all going to face one day, and that is death. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, growing up, I've, I've seen death quite a lot around my household, sadly. And it's a scary prospect. It's something that is the great leveller amongst people, isn't it? And I, I hope for, for all of us in this room as young students that that's many, many, many years away. But, but when that comes, I want to be stood there with someone that's faced it. You know, there's a, a reason we give Easter eggs and not Good Friday eggs. And that's because we believe as Christians the Easter story finishes on Easter Day. We believe that Jesus has defeated death and and risen again. There's a shepherd that stands next to us as a friend who's been through anything we can be through. He's walked through this world and he's come to give life and life to the fullest. We started thinking about uh, why is Jesus so attractive? What's different about Jesus? 
And I guess the first thing is exactly that. This is a God who gives. Yeah, I've seen politicians do a lot of stupid things to get votes. You know, they rugby tackle tea, you know, little kids like Boris Johnson did. Or, uh, I do, if you, do you see the one in France or Australia, I think? There's another Australian MP flattened the little kid. Um, but one of the things I've never seen is I've never seen a politician offer to give their life for votes. It's, I guess it's counterintuitive, isn't it? Because you can't really then fulfill the office. <laughs> <laughs> You know, no motivational speaker or, or kind of trendy CEO would stand up on a stage and say, hey, I'll give my life for you. Because again, it defeats the point. In fact, it's so absurd, it is the thing of Hollywood, quite literally. You know, this is Harry Potter territory, isn't it? The, the parents lay down the life for Harry. This is such crazy service. We wouldn't expect it of a, a friend, let alone our ruler, our king, the one who made us. And Jesus explains in the passage again, doesn't he, that the hired hand, the, the bad shepherds, they don't lay down their lives. They don't sacrifice. They just want to take. They're not willing to give everything. But Jesus is the good shepherd, is the shepherd that, that goes to the cross, as we sang about earlier. Jesus is the good shepherd who not only made the world, but died to save the world. And I guess the question that follows from that is, well, well, why did Jesus die for his sheep? Why does Jesus die for me and for you, like, like we believe as Christians? Well, the answer doesn't come by looking inwardly. The answer comes from considering him. Notice in the passage that Jesus, the good shepherd, doesn't die for the best sheep or for the fattest sheep with the good meat that are valuable. He doesn't die for those with the best fleeces that make nice jumpers. Jesus lays down his life for all sheep. This is one of the key differences between Protestant Christianity and other world religions. This is a God who gives no matter what we've done. We don't earn the death that Jesus died. We can't kind of do good things and therefore get the death or anything like that. This is a good shepherd who has died and his death remains forever. Surely there's no more powerful way to demonstrate your love and your service to people than to die for them. I don't know about you, but I quite often get frustrated at myself when, uh, you know, I, um, I hurt my friends or I let people down. I get jealous, I get bitter. And what often happens is I, I attach my uh, self-worth to my emotions, right? I did badly in that exam, therefore I'm not very clever and yada yada, or... Um, you know, I wasn't very nice to my friend because I was tired and grumpy, therefore, dot, dot, dot. But that's not what the Good Shepherd says. Everything that we do and we live in, as Christians we believe, is a result of that death. Jesus is far more in touch with our reality than he, sorry, Jesus is far more in touch with our reality than we are. Because he knows what we need and he provides for us. He is the shepherd that comes to bring life to the full. As a kid growing up, one of my favourite phrases when I was learning to speak was uh, kind of a, I can do it. You know, when you're doing the kind of four-piece jigsaw, and you, or the, the cube, and you had to put the shapes into it. 
and you're, you're sat there as on, the, on the floor as a toddler and you're trying to put the square in the triangle hole and, and your mum comes to help you and you say, no, I can do it, mum. Uh, that, that was me growing up. I never wanted to be taught. I wanted to learn everything by doing. <laughs> and that's brilliant. That's a, that's a really uh, a good way to learn. That is, is sometimes sadly ineffective. And it, it's all well and good wanting to try and do things ourselves. But as we said earlier, thinking about the walls, sometimes there are walls that we can't face by ourselves. Sometimes we need friends, we need help. And Jesus says that he is that help. He is the shepherd that leads us, that guides us, that helps us. And he's able to help us because he knows us deeply and intimately. Why would the shepherd lay down his life for sheep he doesn't know? Well, the reason is because he does know them. He says that in the passage, doesn't he? I'm the shepherd and I know my sheep. Imagine uh, you've got a huge field and, and there's loads of different shepherds' sheep in there. You're never going to be able to lead them out if you don't know which ones are yours. Uh, and sheep, I don't know if you've ever been around them, they do look the same. And the, the picture up there, so the, um, the family that have the sheep, they, they wander around the field with you and they go, oh yeah, that's Zebedee and that's Wilbur. And, that's, and you're stood there going, they're all the same. <laughs> they all got four legs and white wool. And <laughs> But, but the point about Jesus is that he knows his sheep. He knows you as an individual because he made you. He created you. He knows the gifts that he placed inside you. He knows your abilities. He knows what makes you happy and what makes you sad. The Bible says that as humans we are made in the image of God. We are made with unique purpose and value. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We have a higher value because God has placed a purpose on our lives. I don't know if we've got any literature students in. Anyone do English? Uh, have you, if you may have come across the Russian novel Dr. Zhivago, it's quite a famous kind of mid 20th century Russian novel. I guess some laughs. Maybe I won't go there. Um, but there, there's a really haunting line in this novel, Dr. Zhivago. He's a, a brilliant academic. So it's a novel, obviously, in the Dr. Zhivago is the character. He's an academic and he's thinking about the world. He's writing about what human life has become in the 20th century. And he says this, he says, humans have just become nameless numbers in a file that's long since forgotten. That's quite an overwhelming statement, isn't it? And I don't know about you, but it can so often feel like we're just kind of numbers in a system. You, you go into an exam and you write your candidate number, you write your student ID number. You go on holiday and you give your passport with your passport number and your NHS number and your NI number and it's just your numbers, right? But, but that's not the truth under the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd talks about sheep that he knows. Sheep that he knows because he created. He's not just the sheep that gives up his life unnecessarily. He's the shepherd who gives up his life for the sheep that he knows and the sheep that he loves. God demonstrates his love for us by laying down his life for the ones he knows. Uh, this evening isn't, uh, isn't about religion, it's about relationship. Relationship with that God who made you. The God that we've been singing about and we've read about. 
when we look back at the passage, there's, there's a great invitation of Jesus. I know my shepherd, sorry, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. You know, this is great news that the shepherds are told when Jesus is born. This is great news of great joy. And, and Jesus says in verse 8 and verse 9, I know my sheep, my sheep follow me. The, the God of the Bible isn't a forceful God. He's not a cattle herder who drives, you know, the American plains with the cattle and they're, they're whipping and they're firing and they're, they're pushing, they're driving the cattle on. No, this is a shepherd who leads. If you go into, there's a field behind my house, you go into it at feeding time when the sheep are expecting the farmer, they run after you, they think you've got the feed. You, you walk around the field, you're trying, trying to get some peace and quiet, and they follow you because they think that you're the one that's come to feed them, that sheep instinctively follow, and that's what God is inviting us to do. He's laid down his life because he knows you and he loves you. He knows what's best for us because he made us. He made the rules of the game, right? He, he knows the best way to live. He knows that telling lies hurt those around us, and so he says, hey, don't do it. He knows that abusing alcohol is damaging, and he says, that's not what it's there for. Following the Good Shepherd is about laying down our life like he did to follow the one who made us. This isn't a God who judges. One of the shortest verses in the Bible uh, is a passage where one of the church leaders is writing to one of the new churches and he says, mercy has triumphed over judgment. That there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ because he's the shepherd who's come to lead us. He's the shepherd who's come to serve us and die for us. I quite like going to Scotland. I don't know if anyone else here has been to Scotland. Um, I'm going on holiday again in the summer, I'm really looking forward to it. And one of the amazing things about shepherds in Scotland is they have quite a unique thing to contend with. In Scotland, with all the mountains and the hilly terrain, quite often sheep, you know, looking for the nice grass, will wander a little bit too far, and they'll slip down, and they'll start bleating, and they'll get worried, and you can imagine them in your head, can't you? Kind of stuck on the little parapet, and they've got a big drop to one side, and their friends are up there. Uh, they can't really, they're stuck, they can't get back, and they, they bleed and they bleed and they get worried and scared. And, and over time, the, the shepherds in Scotland realised that if they went down too soon, if they, if they were there while the sheep was bleating its head off, while the sheep was trying to jump back up, it would get scared, it would get frightened, and it would make things worse for itself. It would slip down, further down into the ravine or down into the valley, whatever it was. What they realised was, when you waited and went to the sheep when the sheep were a bit more calm and relaxed and had stopped desperately trying to jump back up to where their friends were, that was the time to go and get the sheep, when the sheep was totally reliant on the shepherd. And that's something I found firsthand in my life. I found the freedom that Jesus spoke about, the, the life to the fullest, when I laid down my life like he did. When I said, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow the good shepherd who, who gives me, who lays down his life for me. So as I invite the band back up, um, I'd love to invite you to stand if you're able.
we're going to spend uh, a couple of minutes thinking about the stuff that we've read and the stuff that we've heard. And I'd love to invite you to really ponder the idea of being led by a shepherd. And I want to ask you, who is your shepherd? Is there someone or something you look to lead you? Do you trust God to be a shepherd to you? Do you trust that his intentions for you are good? Do you know your worth to the good shepherd? Do you know that he's made you and he's loved you? That he cares for you? So while we spend a moment now pondering that, thinking about who Jesus is to you, is he a shepherd you trust? Is he a shepherd you're interested in following? Maybe ask him in your heart, say, dear God, I want to see the worth that you place on me. Maybe this is something you've considered lots before. Maybe this is totally brand new to you. If you've never tried uh, speaking to God or praying before, it's a really wonderful thing to, to do. There's, there's no better time to try than now. It's just like talking to a friend in your head. second I'm going to say a prayer and if you're interested in following Jesus, if you've followed him for many years and you want to, to renew that act of giving your life to him, or maybe you want to do it for the first time, I'd encourage you to, to say amen afterwards in your head and pray along with me. And if you do pray that prayer, I really encourage you to tell the person that brought you, come and talk to me or Rich or Emmy at the end. It's a really amazing thing. We're, we're made to do this in community with the people around us. So loving Father, I thank you that you've made us in your image. I thank you that you know me and that you gave your life because you love me. turn away from the times that I've tried to fulfill and satisfy myself and God I trust that you know what is best for me you are the way, the truth and the life